while you're turning, let me remind you, tonight is our annual pie and praise service. And at 6 o'clock tonight, we will come into this room, we'll sing together, we'll praise the Lord together, and then we'll go in the back and we'll eat pie together. It sounds like an amazing night. Uh, But uh, we do want you to help us, if you will. Uh, We're trying to change things up a little bit in how we take testimony time. And uh, the last two years, I mentioned Wednesday night, the last two years, uh, we have uh, upset a very small group in our church that's a very vital group in our church. They're called nursery workers. And so uh, we want to make sure that we streamline our testimony time. And so we're asking people this year to sign up. If you'd like to share a testimony, maybe something that God has done for you in the past year, Uh, that you would like to share with the church family, maybe would would be an encouragement to someone else. Uh, If you'll let us know on the way out tonight, or on the way out this morning, not on the way out tonight, it'd be too late then. Uh, On the way out this morning, uh, on the way out this morning, if you would like to share testimony, we'd like to make sure that you have the time for that. Uh, But we have several folks who are going to sing, so we would like to make sure that uh, we don't take advantage of our nursery workers and they hate us forever. So uh, if you can help us with that, that would be great, uh, and uh, we appreciate that. Why does God allow the bad stuff in our lives? You ever thought about that? Why does God allow the bad stuff? You would think, or maybe our uh, common sense would lead us to believe that, you know, if I'm living for the Lord and I'm trying to serve Him and I'm doing the right things uh, that His Word shows me to do, that we would get a pass, right? Uh, That we would get some kind of an exemption or God would allow us not to have to go through life with bad stuff. Uh, In this morning's passage in Mark chapter number 7, we find two people who have really bad situations going on in their lives. Uh, Really bad. Both of them come to the right place for help. Uh, Come to the right uh, place for all this encouragement and healing. Uh, One man comes to Jesus and immediately he's received and immediately he's helped. But one lady comes to Jesus and he's kind of abrupt. Uh, It really doesn't even give her much thought at first and pretty much makes her feel rejected. But what is the difference? And maybe you're in that situation, one or the other, where you've come to Jesus for help. And maybe at times you feel like, man, Jesus and I are on the same page and man, he's helping me. And then at other times, there's almost this feeling of rejection. Like God isn't even listening. Like He's not even giving me the time of day. Why does He do that? Well, I think the answer is in the answer. I think the answer that we need to see is the answer we see in this passage of Scripture. Let's look at Mark chapter number 7 and verse number 24. Can we do that? Mark chapter 7 and verse 24. It says, And from thence He arose... Went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house, and we have no man know it. And here, I love this. But he could not be hid. But he could not be hid. It makes me wonder uh, is this how we are in our lives today? Jesus is living and breathing inside of us as believers. Can he be hid in our lives? Our past is supposed to be hidden. Because of what his blood accomplished on the cross. But can he be hid in our lives? Uh, Let's take this passage of scripture and let's pull out some thoughts this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And thank you for how you speak to our lives. And uh, Lord, how you direct us. And at times it feels like we're so far away. Uh, Lord, at, at times it feels like you're not even 
close enough to hear us. Lord, at times we feel so distant. Lord, maybe even at times we come to you and feel rejected. And then, Lord, there are other times when we pray and feel like you're right there. Lord, what makes the difference? Why do we have to go through bad in our lives? Lord, help us to see your truth this morning and draw us close to you because of it. Lord, I ask that you please speak to my heart, cleanse me of any sin in my heart and life that's not pleasing you. Forgive me, purify me, help me to be clean. And Lord, I ask that you please speak to our hearts individually and collectively. If there's one here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, help today to be their day where they come to you, maybe for the very first time. And Lord, help us to be drawn close to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes, just two main thoughts this morning. Number one, we see the woman's daughter. The woman's daughter. The Lord is in the last year of his ministry, the last year of his life. He travels to a unique place on the map called Tyre and Sidon. And we'll have a map for you to be able to see. But uh, this place, Tyre and Sidon, that's mentioned, uh, we see uh, that it's almost out of the way. Uh, far enough, it's a Gentile region, so far away from where he is, all the way up at the top of the screen, that Sidon, Tyre, they're on the, uh, the coast of the Mediterranean. He's been down in Capernaum near Galilee. He goes all the way up, out of the way to get to Tyre and Sidon. And aren't you glad that Jesus at times is willing to go way out of the way to help people? Now, aren't you glad that he goes way out of the way to help us? And we see he goes way out of the way, trying to get away from Jerusalem, out of the spotlight, away from people. And then what do we find? But he is actually going to a very prominent group that has heard about him. And he cannot be hid. Look at his presence in verse number 24. It says, he enters into a house and would have had no man know it, but he could not be hid. No matter what he does, tries to get out of the public eye, tries to get away from the crowd, tries to get away to where he could get some R&R, and he cannot be hid. The people had heard about his miracles. They'd heard about what he had done in feeding thousands of people and healing all these incurable diseases. And he is in hiding, trying to get away. But he, verse 24, could not be hid. Jesus is actually in Gentile territory. Jews and Gentiles did not fraternize together. They didn't go to lunch together after church. They didn't spend time together. Remember what he said in John chapter 4 when he was going into Samaria? In John chapter 4 and verse number 27, it says, And upon this came his disciples. Remember, Jesus has a conversation, woman at the well. And uh, she comes and uh, he says, Hey, if you drink of this living water, you'll never thirst. And has the whole conversation. She runs. And as she's leaving, the disciples are coming back. And they are perplexed that Jesus has a conversation with this woman. Verse 27, Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou With her. With her. Jesus, don't you know who she is? Don't you know where she's from? Why are you talking to her? I love it. Verse number 4 of that same chapter. It said that he must needs go through Samaria. The Jews would go around Samaria to avoid going through Samaria, even though it was shorter, you know, shortest distance between two points is a what? 
straight line. Uh, you know, but Jesus on this trip had to go through. Why? Because there was one person that he needed to speak to. One person. Jesus went out of his way, even though it was a straight line, out of his way, disrupted their norm to be able to minister to one person. And he's going out of his way here in Mark chapter 7 to minister to one person. Think about it. One person is highlighted here. And he goes into this house, but he could not be hid. Even in the obscure places, Jesus was sought after. Even in those places of hiding, Jesus was sought after. Why? Because even in those obscure places, people knew that Jesus was different. People knew that he was different. Church, people might not see Jesus in the flesh today, but they can see you. And there should be something different in our lives. There should be something that people look at our lives and say, I don't know what it is, but that person's different. I don't know what it is. I don't know why my world is crashing and their world's crashing. We don't know if we're going to have a job tomorrow. We don't know if our kids are going to love us tomorrow, if our spouse wants to be seen with us. But there is something different in that person's life. And I can't put my finger on it. But the thing is, it should be Jesus. Jesus is the difference. And here in this passage, he could not be hid. So this morning, my question is, can Jesus be hid in your life? Can people see Jesus coming out? Remember that little story of that little boy who's in Sunday school? And the teacher was talking about how God is so big and he's everywhere and he's so tall and all these different things. Uh, Jesus was you know, a man and all these different things. And he goes home and he's asking his mom and says, Mom, how tall am I? And she says, well, you're about three feet tall. And he said, well, how tall was Jesus? And she said, well, he was a grown man, so maybe about six feet tall. I don't, I don't know. And he's pondering. You know, the, little, the brain is, you know, those wheels are spinning. You know, smoke's coming, wheels are spinning. And uh, he asks, he says, Mom, if I'm so small and he's so big, wouldn't he stick out? And the analogy is very true. If I'm so small and he's so big, he should stick out. And in our lives today, do you stick out because of him? We see his presence. But then number two, we see her priority. He has met with this woman, a certain woman, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit. Heard of him. This woman has a daughter that is demon-possessed. Came and fell at his feet. And then we get the description of who she is. She was a Greek a Syrophoenician by nation. She's a Gentile. She speaks a different language. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. In this story, major barriers to overcome. Major obstacles. Uh, her heritage was wrong. She was a Gentile. Her language was wrong. She was a Greek. Her gender was wrong. And if you understand the time period of what is being said here Women were not allowed to approach rabbis. She's not allowed to speak to him. Yet she approaches Jesus. 
She talks to him. Her language, her gender, her heritage was wrong. Everything. How in the world was she going to get anything from this Jewish rabbi? But here we find the comparison. Because when you and I come to Jesus, there are some major obstacles to be overcome as well. We're sinners and he's sinless. We're unfaithful and he's faithful. We're, we're full of needs and he's full of hope. All of these barriers. Would Jesus even give her the time of day? That's a great question for us too, isn't it? Will Jesus even give us the time of day? He said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that are laboring or heavy laden, I will give you rest. Almost sounds like Jesus is inviting, doesn't it? Come unto me, all ye who are laboring and are heavy laden. You know, if you're tired of running, he's ready to give you relief. That's who he is. That's what he does. When we have a a need in our life, the best place to go is to his feet. Remember the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter number 5? Legion. It says, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. The woman is begging for help. But while she's focused on trying to get this help, there's another group who's standing close by who's not anxious about getting help. They're anxious about being seen with this woman. Matthew chapter number 15, we see the parallel passage of this story. Verse number 23, it says, And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. Remember? Her. Her. Why are you talking to her? John chapter 4. Hey, send her away. Why? She crieth after us. Jesus, she won't leave us alone. She's bothering us. But what was their problem? Was it their problem of the ministry aspect? Or was it just her? Jesus, you know what she is, right? You know who she is, right? You know where she's from, right? You know her language, right? You know that she's a woman, right? All of those different dynamics are at play here. And the disciples are saying, we don't have time for her. Her. The disciples show a great picture of us. Of us. Hey, uh, I'm, hey, I'll help you, but you know, I've got three minutes, so make it quick. Yeah, you, you need my help? Sure. I'll be, hey, I'll pray for you, and uh, you know, 30 seconds, I'm going to pray for you. Absolutely, right now. We are notorious for being too busy to help. Too busy to help anybody else in time of need. I thought about it like this. When you follow Jesus... Serving Him always costs you something. But the question you have to answer is if you're willing to pay what it costs. Serving Jesus always costs us something. Hey, the title of this series from the book of Mark is It Hurts to Serve. It's right at the top of your handout. It hurts to serve. But if we are going to serve, it's going to cost something. But are we willing to pay what it costs? His presence He's there, can't be hid. Her priority was, help my daughter. But then number three, we see his pushback. Look at verse 27. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. And here's the statement. For it is not meet or proper or right to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. Wow. What a rebuke. Hey. I'll help you, but not first. 
And if there's any leftover, you can have that because I'm not here for you. That's what Jesus is saying. That's harsh. I'm not here to help you, lady. That's what Jesus is saying. The Jews saw the Gentiles as dogs. That's how the disciples saw this woman. She is a common, she's one of those little ankle biter dogs. Just nip at my heels. Annoyance. If you have one of those dogs, I just it is what it is. But <laughs> the children are the Jews in the analogy. And Jesus is saying, it is not right for me to take what is designed and purpose and intended for my people and give it to you. Let the children first be filled. In short, Jesus is saying, why should I help you when you're not one of us? That's what Jesus is asking. But it sounds harsh, but it's a test. Jesus is trying to gauge her desperation. I wonder if sometimes we go through difficulties in life because Jesus is trying to gauge our desperation. Because if we can figure it out on our own, let's just be honest. If we can figure it out on our own, we don't need Jesus. If we can figure it out on our own, many times we don't even bother Jesus. Oh, I got this God, got it under control. And he says, oh, do you? Well, you go right ahead. And then a little short while later, we're, God, help me. Like the video. Because we had it under control and we blew it. He's trying to gauge her desperation. How desperate are we? Remember the woman with the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 9 verse 21? She said, if I may touch but his garment, if I can just squeeze through the crowd and just touch his clothes, if that's as close as I'm able to get, but she was willing Remember the two blind men in Matthew chapter 20, verse 31? And the multitude rebuked them. They were saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. And it, shh, shh, shh. It says the multitudes, but I can see the disciples in that group. Can't you? Oh, that would be us. Shh, I'm sorry, he, he's too busy. Shh, I'm sorry, he doesn't have time. Shh, I'm sorry, he's helping somebody else. Shh. But the more they rebuked them, what happened? They cried the more. Got even louder. More annoying. And what does Jesus do? He stops. Why? Because they were desperate. Are you desperate for Jesus to be involved in your situation today? Are you desperate? Could it be we're not seeing Jesus move in our life the way that we want because we're just not that desperate? If he doesn't come through, I'll just do it myself. You're not desperate. And Jesus wants us to live desperately for him you know I, I, we live in a in a world today that pushes independence you know you grow up i'm going to teach you how to be independent i'm going to sh show you how to make it on your own and uh, you know you go and get a good education and you can support yourself and all those different things but you do realize that we were not created to be independent we were created to be dependent on him See, God didn't just come down to the Garden of Eden for kicks and giggles with Adam and Eve. Didn't just come down to the Garden of Eden for worship time. He came down for fellowship time. 
He wanted them to be dependent on Him. We see it throughout the Scripture. And in our lives today, we're not made to be independent of Him. We're made to be dependent. And that is a desperate dependence on Him. Are you desperate today? You see, this goes on and on. And God does have a plan for this situation, just like He does in our lives. Jerry Bridges said, The sovereignty of God is often questioned because man does not understand what God is doing. Because he does not act as we think he should, we conclude he cannot act as we think he would. God doesn't do what I want Him to do, so God must not be able. God God must not be capable. Hey, God doesn't do our bidding. He's not a genie. He is sovereign over all. What's your perspective when God says, not now, not your way? Can you trust His timing, His presence, Her priority, His pushback? Number four, Her perspective. Her perspective. It would be easy for her just to throw up her hands and say, well, fine, forget you. You don't have time for me. I don't have time for you. But what would have happened? She would have walked home and her situation would have been no better. Probably even worse because she would have been frustrated. But that's not her response. Look at verse 28. She answered and said unto him, yes, Lord, yet, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Wow. This woman says, hey, Jesus, I understand. She doesn't just call him by name. She calls him by his title. Yes, Lord. I recognize who you are. I know exactly who you are, Jesus. And I'm expressing my faith and she's submitting to him. You see that? I'm submitting to whatever you decide to give me. I'll take it. That's a big step of faith. Jesus in Matthew chapter 15 calls her out. He's one of two people in the Bible that he expresses an impression for her faith. And he says, wow, that's a step of faith. In our lives today, could you be satisfied with Jesus' leftovers? Because that's what she's asking for. She says, hey, Jesus, I'm not asking for something big. I'll take something small. How many times have we come to Jesus and we want him to do something big? And when he does something small, we don't even see it. We overlook it. The fact that I haven't been to the doctor this past year, while other people go to the doctor every month, the fact that my old hoopty, It's still running, and everybody else has a car that's in the shop all the time. Aren't we really good at overlooking the little things? Are you content with the leftovers? Because she says, just give me a crumb. I'll be satisfied with the crumbs. She knew who he was, but more importantly, she had faith in who he was. Yes, Lord. She didn't need a steak. She didn't need a hamburger. She said, I'll take the cracker crumbs. I'm willing to accept that. Because she knew this. The crumbs that Jesus gives are of greater value than all the big things the world can offer. The little crumbs. I'll take it. If that's what I need, 
I'll take it. And he recognized her faith. Matthew 15, 28. O woman, great is thy faith. The awesome part about this story is that while Jesus may have been silent initially, she didn't stay silent. She kept asking, persistent. And when Jesus doesn't seem to answer us, how often do we just go and try and find a different avenue? Trying to find another way. What makes him good to you? The fact that he answers our prayers when we ask? No, that's not what makes him good. The fact that he's always there? No, no, that's not the fact that makes him good. The fact that he loves us enough at times to say no. How many of you, you know, that old country song, I thank God for unanswered prayers. All right, sing it, Garth. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) dating myself. Uh, But if he gave you everything you ever asked for, Think about that. Would your life be better or worse? It'd be worse. See, he knows. That's the thing about the sovereignty of God. He knows how it's all going to shape up. We just see, man, my life would be so much better if. But would it? He answers this woman's request. The woman's daughter. And then lastly this morning we see not only the woman's daughter. This woman asks and asks and is satisfied with just nothing and like almost put on pause and on hold. And, but then the next story of the chapter is the wonderful defect. The wonderful defect. This woman was healed. This woman's daughter healed because of persistence. But here this other person needs a miracle. We see the man in verse 31 and 32. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, remember back in our map, he's way, way away. But here in verse 31 and 32, he's in Decapolis. He's back where he started. He went all the way up to Tyre and Sidon, literally to get away from everybody. And then he comes all the way back down to Decapolis. He's back where he started. He's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee from Capernaum, but he's in Decapolis. Why? Look at verse 31. Or verse 32, and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. When he gets there, he finds this man who has multiple handicaps. He can't hear, he can't speak. No indication that he's born this way, but he had lived this way long enough that this is not getting any better. This is not a temporary issue, this is a permanent problem. This is something that is not going to get better apart from God doing something dramatic. And in is Jesus. Here he is. This is not something temporary. And sometimes the trials of our life are temporary. Remember the verse in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes our trials are temporary. It's not supposed to last forever. We see 1 Peter 5, 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, Small period of time. Not permanent. But what about when our trials become permanent? What then? When the sickness doesn't get better. When you can't find relief. When you have to keep going to the counselor. When things don't change. Are we supposed to live that way? Are we supposed to be this way forever? No hope? No help? We see the man, but then number two, we see the miracle. Verse 33 through 35. And he, Jesus took him aside. There was no pause here. Remember, the woman had to wait. The woman had to 
be persistent. All of a sudden, this man gets immediate help. And what does Jesus do? Takes him aside from the multitude, puts his fingers into his ears, and he spit, touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, which is being open, be open. And straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loose, and he spake plain. The miracle from Jesus actually recorded in Isaiah as a form of prophecy in Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6, talking about the coming Messiah, the coming prophet, the coming king. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Uh, then shall the lame leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. All of these different things that the Messiah would do. This would show the people that Jesus was who he claimed to be when Jesus performs this miracle. But why does Jesus pull this man aside into a private place? It says very plainly that he draws him away from the crowd. Hey, come with me. Come into this side alley. And heals him in private. Why? Maybe it was because of the man's emotional state. Maybe he had tried other doctors or different things to try and be healed. And Jesus was looking out for him. Maybe he knew the man had been shamed long enough in his life. Maybe Jesus was trying to get away from the crowd again, just like we read at the beginning of our text. He was trying to be in hiding and get away from everyone. But Jesus is more interested in helping others than he is in being in secret. And so Jesus heals this man, puts his fingers in the man's ears. He touches his tongue, which to us is like, don't, that's wrong. Uh, but maybe... Maybe he does all this as a sign of anticipation. But whatever the reason, Jesus does the impossible. He heals someone who does not have any other way to be healed. The first words that this man hears are the words of Jesus. The very first words this man hears were Jesus. What he said. What a miracle. But what Jesus does in our lives is no less of a miracle. No less. How he works in us and through us. See, Jesus doesn't have to do the things that he does, yet he does. And we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it tried by fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though ye now ye see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yet we go back to the previous question. Why did this man have to go through this? Why did he have to go through this experience? Why do you and I have to suffer? Why does the Lord allow these bad things to happen and happen to people who have a desire to live for him? We see the mystery in verse 36 and 37. And he charged them. This is after the miracle, after the healing. He charged them that they should tell no man. Hey, I'm glad that you're healed. Don't tell anybody. What? Don't tell anybody. I, Jesus, how can I not tell people? Everything. I'm hearing things. I can speak. When I walk up to somebody and start talking, they're going to notice. What, what, what am I supposed to do? But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished saying he hath done all things well he maketh both the deaf to hear and 
the dumb to speak. No sense. Hey, don't tell anybody, but this man can't stop telling people of what has happened. And you would think this man sharing this story would bring more people to Jesus. But the end result is found in Matthew 15, verse 31. And and I'm going to encourage you to turn over there with me in your Bible. Matthew 15, verse 31. Just one book previous. This is the same story. Just a different analogy or a different take on this same story. Matthew 15, verse 31. This is after the miracle, after the man has been healed. Here it is. Matthew 15, 31. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. Here it is. And they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified the God of Israel. Say, Pastor, what does that have to do with me? The end result for this man was the glory of God. The end result. Why did this man have this issue? So that God could get the glory. Why was the man born blind in John chapter number 9? So that the work of God might be made manifest in his life. So that God would get the glory. Pastor, why do I have bad stuff that happens in my life? So that God can get glory in your life. Well, pastor, that that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't sound fair. Well, tell me what doesn't sound fair about it. Because if man's chief end on this earth is to point people to God, then how are you expecting him to do that? Well, you know, pastor, if, if God will just paint something in the sky, if God will just do all these things, well, doesn't it make more sense that God would work through us? Because we're connected to other people who need us. So that other people can see what God is doing in our lives. So that they may bring glory to Him. Isn't that what God is trying to do? Well, pastor, I don't like that. Well, guess what? I don't either. But at the end of our life, my life is not about me. And your life is not about you. God is not concerned with your comfort. He is concerned very much about how you are conformed to the image of His Son. And how was Jesus conformed? He suffered. He suffered. It hurts to serve. Yes, it's all about the glory of God. But here's the last piece. Not only is it about the glory of God. Because we could all say, yeah, I I understand that. But think about all the people who needed help. In in Mark chapter number 7, the people who needed help, where did they go? They go to the doctor? Not for ultimate help. They go to the lawyer? No, not for ultimate help. They went to Jesus. The problems in our life are meant to push us to him. Push us to him. Hey, this morning, have you come to him? See, it's so easy for me to look at my problems. The first that I see, the things that happen in my life, at first glance, man, they're so horrible. Has anybody ever used a magnifying glass? 
What is a magnifying glass? What is the purpose of a magnifying glass? Does it change what I'm looking at? Honestly, yes or no? Does it change what I'm looking at? When I use a magnifying glass and I get close, does it change what I'm looking at? No, I'm still looking at the same thing. But I'm able to see it closer, more clearly, when I magnify it. When it is magnified, I mean, my, my, I don't need contacts, I don't even need contacts, you know, uh, I'm just going to walk around this all the time. Uh, but when something is magnified, you and I are able to see more clearly. Now hang with me. When someone is magnified, you and I are able to see more clearly. Whether in life or by death, Christ be magnified. When Christ is magnified, I'm able to see things more clearly. How does that happen? When we give God the glory for our hurt. God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't like what you're doing. But if you get glory from what you're doing, I'll magnify you through the hurt. I'll praise you for the storm. I'll praise you for what you're doing because the chief end of all mankind is to bring glory to God. We're His creation. Hey, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. When I was in high school, I worked on a sheep farm. And uh, sheep are disgusting disgusting personal experience it's amazing to me sheep are not that bright when you're working with them you know but when you think about sheep are dirty and they don't always do the right thing and they don't always go where they're supposed to go they don't always end up where they're supposed to end up there's something about when the shepherd opens the barn and pours the feed out there's something magnificent that happens. They come running because they have been taught, hey, it's feeding time. It, hey, it's time. We're going. That's where we're going. Why? Because the shepherd has laid out a plan and said, hey, it's time. Come on. Come on. In your life and mine, our shepherd lays out a plan. And you can even either stay in the field and wander. Nah, I don't need that. Ah, I don't want that. I'm good. Or you can trust that what he's doing is what you need. And in our life today, are you going to follow the shepherd? Are you going to follow and trust the chief shepherd who is, yes, he may be leading you through hurt. Yes, you may have hardships. That other people may not understand. But if he is receiving the glory in your life. Then you are ultimately doing what he created you for. And that is to point people to him. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Let me ask you this morning as we prepare for our time of invitation, reflection. 
Maybe you're here this morning or watching online. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You don't know there's been a time in your life where you've trusted Christ as your Savior. You don't know what it's like to have your sins forgiven. Maybe you don't remember that time. That's where I was personally. I was 17 years old, grew up in a preacher's home, and I didn't have a lot of details about when I trusted Christ. So I had a lot of doubts about had I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe your life is full of doubts, confusion. Would you simply trust the one who would like to eliminate those doubts? Salvation is simply recognizing that you have a problem that you can't fix. You and I were born into something called sin. Romans chapter 3 says, For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We're sinners. You and I can't change that on our own, by the way. You can't turn over a new leaf because you can't correct what's all in the past. So we're sinners. We have a problem. But Jesus died on the cross to correct that problem. He died to forgive you of your sin, to take your place, to die a death that you and I deserve to die. And in doing so, we don't get forgiveness by default. There is an act that we have to do on our part, and that is simply ask. We have to ask Him to forgive us. That is a step of faith, trusting Him to do what He's promised to do. And maybe that's you today, watching online or in the room. Maybe you've never taken that step of faith and trusted Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin and be your Savior. I would challenge you right now in the moment. not going to ask you to come forward. You can if you want to. We have personal workers up front, some behind you in the back. And if you'd like to talk to someone, pray to, with someone, maybe you have questions, we're here for you. want to try and help you be a blessing. But maybe right now, that's what you need. You need that hope of, I know that Jesus, not only does he love me, but I know that he's forgiven me. Maybe that's your need. Would you simply right now in the quiet of the moment talk to him about that need? Simply in your best words. It's not magical words. It's a prayer of faith. It's asking him to do what only he can do. Acknowledging your sin. Thanking him for what he did on the cross on your behalf. And then trusting him. Asking him to save you. For the rest of us this morning, maybe your need is different. Maybe you're in a situation where you're hurting. Going through a hardship or trial disappointment, discouraging time. Maybe that's you. Would you simply today trust Him for the unknown? Hey, I don't know how your situation is going to work out. I don't know how mine's going to work out. But I do know the one that we're following can be trusted. Because of our past experience, I know that He's trustworthy. Hasn't always been fun, but He has always been there. He is faithful and can be trusted. Maybe that's this morning. You just need to turn it back over to him and say, Lord, I don't know how it's going to all turn out, but I know that I can trust you with the end result. Would you do that today? Right there in your seat. If you make a decision today or want to make a decision, whether that's following the Lord and believers' baptism or maybe taking a step of church membership, discipleship, service, whatever it is, there's a card right there in the seat back in front of you. You can fill that out and you can actually leave it right there in your seat when you leave. Somebody will reach out to you and talk to you about that decision. Try and encourage you. Whatever your need today, would you simply talk to the Lord this morning about what it is He's been talking to you about? We're going to sing in just a moment. But let me just encourage you. 
hey, you and I are responsible with what we know. And we know that he's trustable. We know that he's trustworthy. Do you trust him? If you know that you're a sinner and Jesus died for your sin and you've not taken that step and trusted him, you're responsible for what you know. Would you call out to him with saving faith, with trusting faith, believing that he will do what he's promised to do? Father, please bless our time of invitation. and Lord, help people today to call on you, whatever the need. Lord, whether that's for salvation, Lord, someone who's never trusted you as their Savior. Lord, help them to trust you. Help them to know, based on the promise of your word, that they can count on you to answer that prayer according to your will. Lord, those who are hurting, those who are struggling, maybe who walked in here this morning defeated, discouraged, those who walked in not knowing what it's going to look like when they get to work tomorrow, not knowing if their marriage will last another week, not knowing how it's all going to shape out with their family dynamic this week, with the holidays. Lord, I ask that you please help us to trust you. Help us to lean into you, not lean away from you. Lord, help us to depend on you. But Lord, help that start today. Help that to start this morning with a prayer of faith, relying on you, giving that situation back to you. And asking you to do what only you can do. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us and showing us that you are a faithful God. Lord, help us to depend on you more today than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, please. Pastor Tim's going to lead us in a song.